Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. As always, I am Illegal86, swinging into spooky months with my very good friends, Tactic and Nerd Bomber. Guys, what's the trick or treat? Let's let's talk about this. What's your trick or treat candy plan? What candy are you buying? Variety for trick mix. or treaters. Be more specific. That's not specific enough. We specifically buy varieties of variety mix to ensure that all the folks with different strokes get their candy of choice. Yeah, so like... Sure, but like there's various variety mixes. Yes. You, are you yeah, picking you get them one all. or are you buying yes. all of them? You get yes. a variety okay, of so variety just, mixes. So just name a candy and you got it. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. And then we okay, also get impressive. a special bag of take five and then we don't give those out. Just don't get them. <laughs> We're like, maybe if we run out of every other candy, we'll open this one up. Last resort you, candy, but yeah. it's ours. We, we intend it to be ours. My, my wife, last week... Not even, I okay. literally don't think it was October yet. It's for the first time seeing my wife on the podcast, I think. Thank you for commemorating the moment. She came home from shopping and she had a big bag of Reese's and a big bag of peanut butter, or no, peanut M&M's, which is her favorite. Oh, that's perfect. But what do you do if the kids have a peanut allergy? Well, okay. Here's the thing, though. I was like, oh, you get trick-or-treater candy? And she's like, yeah. And she put it in the trick-or-treat bowl and now... It's October. We're recording this October 3rd. Like, there's a month. Like, it's going to be gone. It can't just sit out. Yeah, once you open the bag, it's game over. Like, the bag has to stay sealed until Halloween if you truly want to give it out. This is the joy of Halloween. It's, we said we were getting the candy for trick-or-treaters, but really in our hearts and, you know, our deeper minds, we know it's for us. And everybody wins. Yeah, I, I tend to usually go for, like, I'm a big Reese's fan, which, yeah, you said your thing about peanut allergies, and that's totally fair, but Reese's is, is bomb. I tend to try and, like, do a thing where, like, I pair chocolatey candy with a fruity candy. So, like, I'll get the Starburst Skittles mix a lot. That's a classic Halloween mix. And I'll, like, give one of those, one of the Reese's, and then, like, towards the end of the night, it's, like, it's all dependent on how many kids show up, right? By the end, I'm just, like, I just, like, grab a fistful of candy and throw it at them, you know? Not, like, literally. You're just but... pelting kids. They come up to your door looking all cute, and you're, like, get out of here. Take your candy and run. Yeah. Next year, I'm, I'm going to get a t-shirt cannon and just fill it with candy. <laughs> Giving out black out eyes. The lawn. Halloween's coming. We're in spooky season. This is the Online Warriors podcast. We have a spooky topic I think it's a spooky topic. The Last of Us trailer came out last week. Obviously, I'm very excited to talk about that. So we're going to get to that. We're going to be talking about Google Stadia. I remember that. I guess, that's like, I think that's kind of where we're going to be at with that. But we'll, we'll talk it's about it. It's going to disappear. Yeah, it's going to get rich. That's spooky, too. It's a good point. And we have to talk about Deadpool 3, which we got an announcement for last week. So a lot of big, big news Juicy. to delve into on the podcast today. Before we get to any of that, though, and, and after talking about Halloween candy, I am once again again inclined maybe obligated to take some of our pre-show conversation and inject it directly into the episode and i'm really scared about where this is gonna go i gotta yeah we 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 talk about a lot of stuff before the episode and some of it is just it's never gonna make it in here but at one point i don't even remember how we got here on this conversational journey but we decided i don't know if we decided but we discussed whether or not Nicolas Cage has ever been hot. And I don't want, before Tactic, Nirvana, before you say anything, I don't want to predispose the listeners. I want a scientific sample here. I want people to chime in on Twitter. And I'm, I'm talking like, you know, obviously right now he's like, he's a little over the hill. And if, if that's your kind of thing, great. We're but, talking in his prime, maybe even young Nick Cage. Yeah, we're, we're talking The Rock. Like. We're talking like Face Off, The Rock, like those 90s times, like maybe you're like mid 90s, Con Air, you know. That sort of era of Nick Cage, was he hot? The people want to know. And by the people, I mean, most, I think just me. I was going to say the three of us, but I don't think you two really care. I think we just talked about it. And I think you guys feel like we reached a conclusion and we probably did. But see, I feel like if we put this poll up, though, we do have to explain because like the third option, there's yes, no, and then in certain aspect ratios. And I feel like no one's going to understand that. Yeah. So there was a there was an event during this conversation where I was just, you know, I just Google hot Nicolas Cage, which is an interesting thing to Google. And you go to Google Images and just kind of start dropping hot Nicolas Cage photos in our Discord channel. And we we discerned that certain aspect ratios of photos, and I'm not going to tell you which which ones, but like certain aspect ratios of photos make him look hotter. So that was a fun scientific discovery about aspect ratios and or Nicolas Cage. So maybe you'll go on that journey as well. But either way, let us know. And yeah, if you feel the need to vote that third in certain aspect ratios option, then that, you know, the choice is yours. But we'll move on from that. 
I just think I thought that was worth worth mentioning. I I need to talk about the Last of Us trailer, and I I need to I need to find a way. The goal of this segment is for me to find a way to express my excitement in a way that's intelligible. Because so this came out last week, and I watched it immediately, and I put in our Discord. Uh, I want to read what I said because I think it had the proper amount of gravitas. I said obviously a 100% need to cover this for next week. They could literally announce John Lennon was alive or something and I would not care. That's where I am. If John Lennon was announced to be alive tomorrow, I'd be like, I don't care. The Last of Us is coming out. This is my John Lennon, I guess. That's a weird thing to say, but like this trailer was perfect. I did not have a single problem with this trailer. I obviously care very deeply about this IP. So while watching it, I was in the curmudgeonly way that I often do, just looking for things to have a problem with. And you didn't find any? I could not find a single freaking problem with it. The thing that I thought I was going to have a problem with, but I was very happy with, was the way the clickers looked. And I thought they did a fantastic perfect. job. Yeah, perfect execution. And the noise. I mean, they, they probably just ripped that right out of the game, but it was. I was like, that's authentic. There are certain, you know, without giving it away to the people here, the people listening and or the people who are hosts of this show who have not played the game or played through it fully, there are certain scenes in the trailer that i'm able to see and and say that's this part of the game which like i think that's tricky because i think some people who've played the game and who love the game like me would see that and say give me something i don't already know about but again knowing for those who listen to this show they know that i saw that and was like yes give me exactly what this game was in tv form and i will be so happy like the the set pieces look amazing the big collapsed buildings in the rain like it's just the driving away from the the plane exploding like the production value looks super high the cast looks casty i'm a big melanie linsky fan i don't know what her role is like i i couldn't attach her to any specific role in the game or part of the game but i love her so i'm very excited to see her in this pedro pascal bella ramsey i think are going to be amazing i just i couldn't find a problem with it and like that i'm realizing now that doesn't make for very interesting podcast conversation but that's just that's how i felt i can give like the outsider's perspective because i've never played the game yet and i keep telling myself i'm gonna do that especially as we're getting into spooky season there's a number of games that i want to like ramp up for me i thought this looked like if i didn't know anything about the game i thought it looked compelling enough to get me to reinvest in the zombie genre I mean, because that's kind of what they are, right? Clickers are more or less zombies. They're people who have been turned into like weird monster people. And so for me, this kind of sold me. just one type of zombie in the game. Well, regardless, though, after being zombied out for the entirety of The Walking Dead, like after the third season of The Walking Dead, I was like, I am done here. This is enough to get me to try the genre out again. It looked compelling. Yeah. I like Pedro Pascal, like the cast all seemed really great. The atmosphere seemed really great. It seemed like it was more focused on, you know, telling the character stories, which is kind of what I look for and what drew me to The Walking Dead in the first place and what I kind of like most out of zombie genre shows and entertainment in general. So I am interested. So I do have one question for you, Illegal. What we did see in the trailer is we saw what a key element to progression is in that game, and that is the changing of the seasons. Do you think they're going to do each season is going to be a season, so to speak, like a season one, season two? Or do you think they're going to collapse it all down into... I, 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 I see this being a cash cow. I see season one being summer, season two being fall, season three being winter. Is that how the game moves? Yes. The, the, the game does... So Tectic is, is right. The game definitely uses seasons to break things apart and i guess give you a better sense of time of how long things are taking how long it's taking for you to do what your what your goal in the game is is to do i it's almost synonymous with with basically the next section of the game the next story arc yes and that's if why i'm saying it, into... it only makes sense for them to put season 1 being you know your first intro it's it's summertime you're you're getting out of the city so on and so forth and then ultimately season oh, it would probably be season three or four would be winter time so i think that they would do that but the reason why i'm confused or concerned because i think this should be drawn out is we saw multiple weather patterns we saw a little bit of winter we saw a little bit of the initial meet and greet time in yes. this one trailer so to me that says that oh that's this is all going to be right off the bat and so i'm, yes. I'm, I'm kind of concerned how they're going to stretch it out well so that's that's what i was going to say is i don't think seasons are going to be seasons so to speak 
what I expect, and actually what I think will be good, is I think the first season of this show is going to closely follow the first, what happens in the first game. And Entirely. Again, the trailer, yes. The trailer kind of supports that because you can piece together certain things happen in certain seasons and also certain scenes i can tell happen you know towards the end of the game so it wouldn't surprise me if they took i don't want to call it a game of thrones approach because it's not game of thrones stretch things out a lot longer but they might take their source material and say hey the first game is a season maybe if they decide to go a different route the second game is season two and then after that they can start doing whatever they want to it this may be a way for them to lay the foundation and world build using what the game provides in terms of story and then do what they want after that this this to me and and i guess that would probably be better because this to me is four seasons max you don't want to have the walking dead situation you don't want to milk the ever living snot out of it Four seasons max, call it a day. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad Nerdbomber mentioned that as well as you, because I do think that is one of the main things that this show has to fight against is, you know, Walking Dead certainly very successful, right? Uh, there's, there's no doubting that, but they have milked it for all it's worth and they've made people potentially weary of the genre, you know, in the same way that people are getting weary of Marvel and even Star Wars, like their things are still coming out, but pe- less and less people are watching them, or at least so it feels to me. The Walking Dead has been on for 10 plus years. So are people really going to be clamoring for another zombie show? I think the answer can be yes, but it has to be marketed carefully and it has to show how it will be different. I think there will be appeal even just so much that, like you said, right now, The Walking Dead has kind of fizzled and I know the final season is happening right now. But in terms of like the people that I talked to who used to be super into it, they're like, almost tertiarily involved in the show they kind of dropped out a while ago and i feel like there's been maybe enough space where marvel and superhero stuff and comic book stuff is now the thing that people have the most fatigue from so having a completely new ip altogether, i think is a point in the maybe setting up for success column for this because kind of like what game of thrones managed to do it you know was kind of original, took a source material that nobody had really... I mean, people in the fantasy reading community had definitely heard of Game of Thrones, but outside of that, most people didn't, you know? And I think, unless you're a gaming nerd, The Last of Us isn't totally popular, but it's based off of popular source material, and I think it's just enough of a new IP that it might suck people in, even who don't care about the game. Yeah, the most important thing this show can do from multiple perspectives, what this show has to do, both in terms of staying true to its source material and in terms of drawing new fans and keeping new fans, is focus on the characters. The characters are what's going to get people to show up because they're new, they're interesting, they're not Walking Dead characters who have been around for multiple seasons. They're not Star Wars characters who, you know, if they aren't a character you already know, they're related to a character you already know. This is a completely new, very raw feeling, very gritty world that has brand new characters that you can acquaint with and hopefully care about. They need to put the focus on that. And, and you know, I think they will. I, I don't have any reason to believe right now that they won't. People who show up to The Last of Us expecting there to be a lot of zombie action. Don't get me wrong. That's going to be there. I don't know the extent to which it's going to be the focus. And that's going to be interesting to see as well. But I'm just so overwhelmingly happy that what has come out of this looks like something I don't have to be super anxious about. You know, even if it doesn't work out, it looks like they're giving it the full swing that it deserves. So we will see. I don't think there's a release date on this yet. I think they said 2023 and that's all we're going to get. I also suspect this is going to be an awards drawing thing. So I don't know enough about the award cycle to know what the timing should be then but like whatever might put it in awards position might be when it comes out uh, or they might time it for spooky season next year it's who's to say but very very exciting i cannot wait to see what they do and uh, just very very happy it's a good day when i'm talking about the last of us on this show but it's an even better day when it's something that involves it potentially hitting the mainstream and getting people to care about it the way that i do you know like it's cool you know my wife watched this trailer and was like this looks legitimately really good like she knew i was excited about it because i'm a big fan of the game she's never played the games so she's in a similar spot to you nerd bomber where would she ever play the game or will this be her first exposure no 
this this will be her first exposure to it but yeah that, i mean that that's a, an accomplishment right there is the fact that nerd bomber very publicly not a scary game person but at least on the discord your reaction to this trailer was i'm gonna have to play this game which is again like it's it's amazing to me that the video game to tv video game to movie transition just seems like it's very hard to accomplish and work out because it really should benefit both parties you know it should benefit the video game developers and it should benefit the tv and movie execs i just can't believe it hasn't worked out yet i'm hoping that this is finally the thing that just kind of knocks that out of the park and sets the stage for other video game adaptations well i feel like part of the problem with prior video game adaptations is that they didn't take the story in the game seriously you i mean you look back at a lot of the old video game adaptations that we've gotten i mean they just lean into like the cheesy action factor of the games and like video games yeah. have come such a far away as a storytelling medium and i think stuff like the last of us is a great example of how if you take the story and you don't try to take the gameplay and somehow adapt it into like an action movie thing and you just take the heart of the story there's a lot of really great ips and if this is successful i'm really hoping that maybe this opens the door to exploring other ips that have really great stories like yeah. i know i mean this is another sony property but like god of war you know I mean, I know they're also already working on the Horizon Zero Dawn. I think it's a TV show on Netflix. Yep. And it's just hopefully, you know, they can see video games as a good place to mine for really great stories because now there are there's really great stories right. out there. I do have a question for you. Yeah. What is your like premiere day setup going to look like? It's going to look like me sitting very close to a television, <laughs> just like rapt attention, just like very in on it. I, I don't I don't have a specific plan yet. If I, I'll formulate that when it comes out or when the release date comes out, but I'm going to be it's going to be an optimized viewing environment. There's probably going to be little a bunch of little hidden callouts to the game. And that's the other thing that I wanted to mention before I, am, I know I'm waxing poetic about this like 2 minute trailer, but before we move on, like the other thing I like about this is if you if you take a couple of frames out of this, if you take a couple of the like, you know, the callouts like from based on the popular video game from writer Neil Druckmann and all that stuff, like you could shave off one or two seconds from this trailer and if you did that i feel like no one watching it who didn't have the previous context would know that it was a video game thing at all and that's where you want to be right like i don't think you want this to look video gamey you want it to look like a legitimate dramatic show story and, and again just super happy with i think the tone that they're trying to go for the balance they're trying to strike so super 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 excited as for my viewing day plans i had dark room with, with my wife and a very large pile of fruit snacks because that's kind of what how i do things welch's right so uh i'm on mott's right now actually thank you for asking though no one asks no one asks about my fruit snacks is welch's the right answer yes yes yeah i don't agree so we'll we'll table that that's a discussion topic that could spiral out of control very quickly let's talk instead about stadia so for those that don't remember I, I i don't know like there may be people out there who were really really into stadia i think that's unlikely considering that google has announced it will be shutting down on january 18th of next year which is very soon like many things on this show that we talk about i remember talking about this when it was first announced it had to have been a couple of years ago i feel like i was probably the debbie downer kind of like that logitech gaming device that we talked about last week i just i still don't see the world for cloud gaming and uh, I think I might be proven yeah. right there. I don't remember what my take was. It's way too far back for me to remember. I, Like you said, I've mentioned my distrust of cloud gaming. I'm sure one thing I said, though, was that I loved the idea of it. Because the idea of it was great. I mean, you know, this thing came out, it was announced with like AAA titles pretty much right off the bat. And... I remember thinking, is this something I'm going to have to get on board with? Now, granted, what I then did was kind of wait and see. And it's an interesting discussion there is like, how many people did that with it? They decided to wait and see what kind of user base it gained. And it never got enough of a user base because everybody was waiting. I don't well, know there were people that yet, ordered hardware and they're getting reimbursed. Yeah. I do think that's actually pretty impressive that Google is offering to reimburse because usually when you buy into a system or a device, like I'm, I'm thinking back to like my Zune, right? And the Zune twilighted at a certain point. And I had had two Zune devices at this point. I was still, it was my primary music listening device. And this is probably dating me and making me sound really old. But like when the server shut down, well, I don't think the service necessarily shut down, but like the music store went away and it was just like, you can bring your own MP3s, but we're also not really updating or supporting the device anymore. And that was just kind of it. I didn't get reimbursed. So 
I am impressed with the fact that Google is offering people their money back on things that they bought for Stadia. There's an interesting economic question there, I think, because I imagine when a lot of this hardware was sold, there wasn't as much of a supply chain issue and like general microchip shortage. Like maybe I'm maybe I'm stretching here, but like it wouldn't surprise me if they gave people their money back that they initially paid for it and got the microchips back and put them somewhere else that was more useful and potentially more lucrative. And in the end, maybe they still take a loss, but it, it's not as large of a loss financially as you think it's going to be. I don't think they're actually taking as big of a loss as one would think because the technology that they developed, they're selling it off and letting other companies use it. So they have their their footprint out in the world on this 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 cloud gaming technology, and now they don't have to produce hardware on top of it. Right. It's hard to derive a tone from like what's being said about their announcement about like we're we're shutting down Stadia, but it's almost it does have a tone of like, well, we gave it a shot and thanks for trying those that did and you know, whatever, we'll be fine. Just give us the stuff back, we'll pay you. I think they're going to continue to develop that technology, not need to produce hardware and just do software updates and things like that to keep people to keep on top of the optimized performing cloud service. And that's where they'd really get their revenue stream from. I think there's a lot of untapped potential there where they can keep improving and and stay the leader in that front while the other companies are waste toiling away developing hardware for this platform. You know, on that note, and, and considering that we talked about the Logitech G last week, and you know, other companies, those are Xbox, one of the Nvidia are involved, right? So, I guess the question I have, and I'm, I'm directing this mostly at Nerd Bomber because of her prior comments on this. As far as cloud gaming goes for you, what's it going to take to get you to buy in? Because companies are asking that now. They're saying, okay, another another cloud gaming service died, and, and we, we need to do a post-mortem on this and figure out how to do the next one better. And that probably involves enticing people like you who just aren't willing to trust it at all. People like me, to some extent, too. How do you get people to work past that? It, it's it's a question for the, a discussion question for the group that I don't have an answer to necessarily. Well, we've already answered it last week, and the answer was offline mode. No, I mean because that defeats the purpose. You can't have a cloud gaming service with offline mode. I think there's multiple things that need to happen before cloud gaming becomes a viable experience, in my opinion. First, I think internet needs to be ubiquitous. I think there are too many places that you can go where even if you're on your phone, 4G, 5G, it drops. It's not consistent. You're not going to have a good playing experience if you're on cellular. If you're on Wi-Fi, I mean, there's not Wi-Fi everywhere. Sure, a lot of restaurants and stuff have Wi-Fi, but it's not guaranteed. And until even like I'm thinking all across nations and the world, until Internet is everywhere, and very easily accessible and cheap to access. Cloud gaming is just kind of like, meh, because then you're really just gaming in your house and you might as well just have a console or a PC. I think the other thing that needs to happen is I think internet infrastructure also needs to just improve because, so I have tried cloud gaming. So if you have Game Pass, Xbox's version of cloud gaming is actually built in. And so I've actually tried on my phone, like I don't even remember what game I was playing. It might have been Peggle or something stupid like that. And I went to bed and I couldn't sleep. So I pulled it up on my phone. I was just like, I'll just play a little bit more Peggle. And Peggle is a game where lag shouldn't matter, but it was still noticeable enough that it was annoying. And I think until they can cut lag times down, like you won't be able to play heavy duty games. You'll only be able to play things like Peggle where your reaction time doesn't matter. I couldn't imagine trying to play something like Spider-Man on a cloud streaming service. The reaction time that you need in order to win that game, like you can't even play multiplayer games. You would get killed all the time. If you're trying to play like a Call of Duty and you have even a like minuscule amount of lag, you're not going to have a good time because there are people who will then be playing on wired internet connections who just have the one up on you at all times. So I think until those two things are solved, cloud gaming is nice in theory and can be applicable to like one player games if you can like get your mind not to be annoyed with lag. But other than that, it's just such a hard sell for me right now. There's just, it's something that is really neat for the future. And especially as we're getting into like gaming as a subscription model, which is what Xbox and PlayStation, and I mean, even stuff like EA Play and Ubisoft now have like subscription models. I think that's something that we'll look forward to. But until there's just more technological advancements, I just don't see it being 
feasible for most people. So basically, unless we have quantum computing, cloud gaming is not going to take off. I don't even know if it's quantum computing because they are like all of these cloud gaming services are being run on really high-end computers, but it's just the communication time. And I think it's just the speed of internet, your upload speed and download speed. It's just not high enough to have a good streaming experience. I I think the bottom line is, you know, these companies, companies like Google putting together Stadia, I think it's very easy for them to focus on things that are more tangible in terms of how they can build a good experience in cloud gaming for for the user. For things like a good controller and good hardware and a good game library. And those are easy things for them to control and easy things for them to market, but they aren't at the core of the experience and you know you know if you get i'm just gonna i'm gonna make up an internet company that's bad i'm just gonna make up a name i'm just gonna call them comcast okay if comcast has terrible internet and you're playing i hate comcast all right uh, that's the joke they're terrible i've had them a couple times shout out to comcast you suck so bad if you've comcast internet you could have the nicest cloud gaming hardware setup in the world you could have every game that rocks and it, it does not matter at all so the, you know there it is kind of and I understand the company's desires to do that. I understand Google's Google's desire to get cloud gaming to be a thing, but it's putting the cart before the horse. I, I, I'm inclined to agree with Nerdbomber. Like, I don't know fair, how that's fixed. I think it is the future eventually. It's just not the future now. There you have it, folks. Stadia died. All right, well, it's not dead yet, but it's like it's basically dead. If you have Stadia stuff, you should probably get a refund. The real question January is, what do you think happens to stuff like Luna? Amazon Luna is a very similar service. Very interested to see... What happens? Are to we them? sure that Luna is still alive? <laughs> uh, like I am not. We do some. <laughs> yeah, like like that one might already be dead. It wouldn't surprise me. Like I'm, I'll Google it now. Amazon Luna. It seems like it's still going on. Uh, Jeffrey Bezos turned his sights to his mountain clock. The Wikipedia is really scar, really sparse. I saw. I mixed up scarce and sparse and said scarce. Wikipedia is really scarce on Amazon Luna, so I don't know, but if it's still going on, yeah, it's probably not long for this world. And if Jeff Bezos can't do cloud gaming, you could maybe argue that no one can, at least from a financial perspective. So yeah, January 18th, 2023, Stadia dies. So if you have hardware, start putting in those refund requests with Google. We're going to take a short break now before we come back. And really, I mean, I think it's just going to be us letting Tactic go ham about Deadpool 3. But before we do that, we are going to take our usual opportunity to shout out our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Stephen Keller. Stephen, here's to you, my friend. It's been great having you on the show a handful of times. It's been great having your continued support. And we hope to have the continued support of others through our Patreon page, patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. You can head over there to uh, get some details on the three, three levels of support that we have from the night level, which is the level that Steven is on, which gets you this producer credit, gets you weekly input into the game segment, which I am hosting this week, unbelievably. It also, of course, gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog, as well as the occasional guest spot on the show. There's also a squire level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog and there's a page level which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and again patreon.com slash online warriors podcast where you can find the details on all of that help us keep things going be like steven and come on down say hi to us thanks again steven we are going to take a short break to shout out a sponsor and we'll be right back to talk about deadpool 3 Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle? The towering 93%. Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. All right. Before I let the 
Tectic comic book. Let me at him. Let semi, me at him. Semi truck. Just like roll over me. I just, I do want to say one thing about the Deadpool three announcement, which is my typical surface level kind of observation on how it was done, which was it was great. Like I love the approach of like we're not going to overproduce this. It's going to be funny. It's going to feel very human, right? Like the, the the undercurrent of Deadpool this entire time that that Ryan Reynolds has done these movies has been he cares so deeply about the character and about the project and what he's doing. And you know, as jokey as this was, it felt a lot more sincere than some 10 second trailer that doesn't show anything and just shows the three claws going through which like they did show that at the end but i, I thought that was great the way they did that and and very funny and i like uh, him and hugh jackman have a, have a really funny thing so yeah in case you didn't know wolverine's coming back that's like the big thing and without further ado tactic it's the floor is yours yeah so there were two trailers the first one was basically ryan reynolds asking hugh jackman to come back as wolverine he said sure and then the second one was them sitting on a couch together telling us exactly how they're going to do it but the trick there was it was muted the whole thing was muted so there was a lot of you know over acting in like on like fight scenes and things like that and we had no idea what it was going to do but ultimately what this ended up doing was sending the internet in a tizzy like it always does on how are they going to introduce Hugh Jackman? How are they going to get Deadpool into the MCU? Because that was also teased, that this is going to be the movie that does it. And so, how are they going to do that? And I think there's really only one answer, and we've already kind of seen it with the introduction of the Multiverse of Madness and Spider-Man No Way Home, and that's the multiverse. First and foremost, we know that Charles Xavier does exist in a universe as Patrick Stewart, so we know that's a thing based on Doctor Strange. And so... We can, it's not, it's not too far of a leap to say that universe is the one that contains Hugh Jackman as Wolverine and inversely Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. Now within that universe, what that does is it allows us to say, okay, that's that version of Wolverine. That's that version of Professor X. How do we get Ryan Reynolds into the MCU without recasting? Because I don't think the world sees any other actor as Ryan Reynolds. Would you guys concur? I would concur. Any other, any other actor as Deadpool. <laughs> Fun fact, with the fourth wall breaking, Deadpool actually plays Ryan Reynolds. This is this is this is canon. Well, so I, I I and I think you're touching on like I think to a lot of people who can see where the MCU is going, they're clearly putting everything into this multiverse idea. Like ever since Deadpool was announced to be, you know, becoming part of that universe or part of that system, I guess, like the draw has always been, can you imagine how funny Deadpool would be and how irreverent and how fourth wall breaky he would be in that environment? I'm cautiously optimistic of that one only because I think Deadpool truly thrives with the rated R situation going on there. And if he jumps into the MCU, is he going to become a more PG-13 version? I really hope that what they do is, first of all, he comes in and he's just like a sarcastic asshole in the MCU movies. And then they just like bleep him out. Uh, Bleeps would be fantastic. All of a sudden, yeah, the bleeps just start coming in and he doesn't know why. It's an interesting thought because, you know, part of the success of these movies and the success of movies like Logan are, these are way grittier. These are very adult oriented comic book movies. But with what the MCU does, where everything is interconnected, they can't do that anymore. You know, like like they, they can't really make an R-rated Deadpool 3 that has a strong connection and is particularly referential of the other MCU movies and characters in the way that it often is. Because then the next MCU movie that you take the kids to see, they're not going to understand what's going on because they didn't see, you know... <laughs> Deadpool 3, which would give them nightmares. You know, so like it, it's it's interesting. And I'm glad you said that because Deadpool 3, with Tech Tick's prediction, is going to give nightmares. It is going to be gory. Yeah, it's, it's tricky because I think at this point, the people who are working on Deadpool know what it is and know what it has to be and continue to be. So how do you marry those two ideas? And and for those that do not remember Deadpool 2, the X-Men make a brief cameo in Deadpool 2. And they took the high road, essentially, in that movie where people were probably asking, even at that point, why is this not connected to the other X-Men movies and blah, 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 everything's interconnected. And I think they found a very, very smart and quick way to kind of write that out. And the onus is back on them to do that in an even more creative and more clever way, if anything, to just, again, make it a self-contained environment or a relatively self-contained environment that is, you know, very R-rated and yet can still have impact on the greater MCU picture. You know, I I think, you know, the, the bleeped Deadpool 
which yeah for sure is going to be a bit somewhere that's going to be in the other movies because he will show up in other movies and he will be you know neutered in that sense and i'm sure he'll make a bunch of jokes about it and the people who have seen the standalone deadpool movies can laugh in the same way they laugh and the kids can see this character and maybe be a little bit confused but still you know have enough context to know what's going on and understand it and allow the movie to to continue happening i'm concerned about hugh jackman's age i have to say i I know that's a downer take but like nah they'll make him look young he'll look like he wanted out i don't want an indiana jones situation Like, I don't want him to be like 70 and still doing this. And I'm sure he doesn't want that either. I think this will probably be his last movie for it sure. It will be. And I, you guys got to let me just get into my theory. <laughs> okay, do it. Well, but didn't didn't they say that about Logan though? But that, was his, that, that was his last movie. And technically, wasn't that in the future? Yeah. They're not touching that. They're not ruining that. This no, fine, be... but 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 I'm saying Hugh Jackman said that was my last time playing Logan. Everyone was like, okay, and now it's like three yeah, but years Ryan later. Reynolds asked nicely. Yeah, which is again is like the joke and what made the, the presentation so funny. But okay, t- give give us your theory. I'll stop being grouchy. So there was a comic book series for Deadpool where Deadpool kills the Marvel universe, and it is exactly that. He goes crazy because he was trying to get you know mind control and he just said you can't control a a mind that's already out of control so he just went to just an even crazier more violent rampage and just started killing literally everyone and and the and he kept going stronger and stronger stronger and trying to kill everyone kill everyone kill everyone and ultimately what the reason for all all of his killing was was that he became self-aware that this was a comic book and he wanted to just end the cycle of these people being put in these scenarios to either die or save the day and then come back to life and so on and so forth and he just wanted to kill everyone to stop it all and ultimately what he ends up doing is he uses the nexus of all realities to jump out into the real world and kill the authors of the comic like just completely fourth wall shattering and what I think they're going to do is I think they're going to use this exact principle to where he realizes that instead of that he's in a comic book, that he's in the shitty Marvel Universe, i.e. the Fox one, not the MCU. And so he does the same kind of philosophy to escape and go to the cool universe, quote unquote. And I think that's kind of a badass fourth wall way of doing it. And it takes us away from the Doctor Strange nonsense that happened between Spider-Man and all that. It makes it its own side thing. And it it pokes fun at, it's going to probably have moments where it pokes fun at the Fox X-Men series. It's going to poke fun at the original Ryan Reynolds Deadpool in uh, Wolverine Origins that horrifying monster thing that had no mouth, which like the Merc with the mouth has no mouth. What are you doing? So let me ask you this. By that same sort of sort of theory and premise, do the X-Men come with him? And I'm, I'm, I'm now talking like James McAvoy and like that, those X-Men. I think... Do we know what their level of involvement is? It, and it, is, is Deadpool, I guess, is he being set up to be the impetus for... Because he's not the only one coming over from, from the Fox universe. There's other characters, I think, that are going to come over. So is he the one and is his movie going to be the one that's responsible for bringing people over? So or is it going to be a multi-movie event or, you know, it's, it's going to be a one movie like and it's going to be exclusively him going over. And the reason why is because that story arc basically starts with him being put in an insane asylum by the X-Men. And so it's going to be him versus them. He's going to go. He, I, I think there's going to be a lot of people that he's just going to straight murder. And we've, so we've already seen we've already seen in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness that they don't shy away from straight murdering people. Wanda just went to town on people so you're saying those x-men gone toast you know, Nich- nicholas holt jennifer lawrence you're saying they're just torpedoing that entire thing done that's a bold claim i'm not saying i would mind that but i i would be surprised and they, they can pick and choose who doesn't get destroyed by him and and just kind of do some other side beat it's just there's gonna be carnage and venom is not gonna be involved see what i did there <laughs> that's a good yeah it's good nerd bomber do you have any input here or are we just totally drowning in technic takes here because i don't you know i don't have comic insight so all i can tell you is that i'm kind of excited just for a new deadpool movie because i think in terms of you know being superhero slash comic book movie to out i feel like deadpool is just different enough where i still have a good time with it so i don't really have insights as to possible storylines or anything i think tactic has that covered for me but i'm i'm excited for it it's september 6 2024 so they already have a date for this 
so far away. Darn Ryan Reynolds is too busy running a football club. And dude, yeah, doing a million other things. I'm very into the funniness of, of the way they did it. For me, that's my primary takeaway right now is like they, they continue to have the right people on this. And I have to trust in that. We'll take it from there. Let us know. At OW Tactic. Create a tactic. Do you think his theory is any good? If you want to talk to me about anything, at OW Lady 6, at OW Nerd Bombers over there, and our main show account at Online Warriors 1. What's the deal with Deadpool 3? What's the deal with that? Do you think they made Deadpool 3 just because they wanted to have Wolverine do the three claws through the thing so it looked like a three, like Jurassic Park 3? Because that's another theory. Maybe they're like, how do we make the three look cool? Let's just get Wolverine back to like slash through something and make a three. Watch, that's the only role that he has in the movie. He comes back for like the very beginning for like the title card and just slash He's just making threes everywhere. (laughs) And he just goes, thanks, buddy. Yeah. Could you imagine? That too. would be the ultimate troll moment. They have this big media campaign saying that Hugh Jackman's coming back, Wolverine's coming back, and he's in it for like 30 seconds. But the thing that that's what's so beautiful about the Deadpool franchise. If that happened, we'd be like, yeah, <laughs> just classic Deadpool stuff, you know? By the way, there is nothing wrong with Deadpool killing Wolverine in this as well. That still won't affect Logan because the old man Logan is notoriously another universe altogether. Well, we'll see. In the meantime, it's time for What Are You Up To Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Let's find out what we've been up to. Tactic. I think uh, it might be your turn. It's either you or Nerd Bomber's turn. Go ahead. Get us started off here. So for me, the one thing I want to talk about is Nerd Bomber and I played this game Never Alone. It is, if you're interested in a couch co-op that's got a neat art style and you can literally play it start to finish in a couple hours... This is the game for you. It's real chill vibes. It's not very hard. It's just, it was a lot of Eskimo lore, I believe. And it was just really interesting. It it went through like various art styles and storytelling and a couple different spirits that you meet and things like that. And it was neat. Like I said, it's only a two hour game and it was, you know, it it was a nice evening playthrough. I did have some issues with platforming controls. I will throw that out there. I get frustrated when things that should be easy are not easy. And uh, things like throwing a bolo was more difficult than I think it needed to be. I think I was not the fox, but Technic had some issues. There's, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a certain point in the game where the fox basically like tugs spirits and he was having a lot of trouble with that. And we died a decent chunk of time. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to tug a spirit, if you know what I mean. Well, you can't, you can't, have, it can't have taken much time if you, I mean, it can't have been that hard if it only took you two hours. Yeah, I mean, right? it wasn't. There were just like moments of frustration. Overall, it was a good game, but there are moments of frustration. What would you, Tactic, what would you, what does the fox say? I feel like this is one of those moments where we are old. Possibly. I think I got that <laughs> well, one right. Uh, we'll let the listeners judge <laughs> judge that. I think you did get it right, yeah. I don't really remember, honestly. I just know it's a thing. Cool. Anything else to update us on, or should I swing it over to, to Nerd Bomber to keep us going? Swing away. There's something that she definitely wants to talk about. Nerd Bomber, the floor is yours. All right, so I don't necessarily want to get too in-depth with this, because I think we might do this for a secret segment once Illegal Watch and I'm gonna, the movie. And I'm going to watch this, too, so no spoilers, because I'm going to watch this. Yeah, so I don't want to get into spoilers, but we did watch Hocus Pocus 2. We have varying thoughts. I thought the first movie was still better. There are a list of reasons why I believe that to be true. Tactic likes this movie better. And there are a list of reasons why I believe her to be incorrect. I think overall, though, it is a fun and entertaining movie. There's a ton of callbacks, so illegal as you're watching. Basically, just be on the lookout for a bunch of Easter eggs that are callbacks to the original movie. They're not even like front and center. It's just little subtle things that you see in the background sprinkled all over the movie. I thought for what it was for a sequel, I thought it was pretty fun. I don't know if it's a yearly rewatch for me. I think the first movie still is Hocus Pocus Supremacy personally. Like I said, if we do a secret segment on this, I'll get into more detail and then Illegal once you've seen it as well. I feel like we can really pick the meat off the bones in talking about this and all of our different opinions on it. But I mean, for what it is, it is fun. And in terms of like what a Disney sequel could be, I think that it was up there with, you know, what we've come to expect from Disney sequels, maybe even a little bit better quality than a lot of people might have hoped. So overall, I enjoyed it. Like I said, still prefer the first one though, hands down. All right. Effective secret segment tease for our spoiler cast later this month. I I watched something. Ooh. That's it. That's it. That's my update. That's it. I watched something. I did the unthinkable. And even after my, what I would ultimately consider disappointment with Obi-Wan, I did watch Andor because I 
have heard very good things about it. Andor, of course, being the newest Star Wars show on Disney Plus. Currently, well, as of this recording, there will be there's three there's four episodes out. I think when this releases, there will be five episodes out. I think it releases every Wednesday, like our show does. But it's it's frustrating. It's it's better than Obi Wan. Let me to start by saying that I'm not nearly as frustrated with it as I am with Obi Wan. In fact, I think Andor so far is good. It's just I, I think it's becoming very difficult for me, considering how attached I am to the source material. You know, it's it's an uneven. It's been very uneven. Episode one, and in particular the first ten to fifteen minutes of episode one, were phenomenal. I was like, this is this is the show I've been waiting to see from Disney Star Wars shows. Essentially, that was followed by episode two, which. I almost stopped watching after that because episode two did the same thing half of Obi-Wan did where it just kind of killed time and kind of kind of did that whole like, ah, oh, we could have been a movie, but we're going to be a show thing. Luckily, I kept going because episode three was fantastic. Episode four was pretty good. And I think the show is headed in the right direction. So I think this might be one you want to you want to show up for. That's that's my early review. Stellan Skarsgård is fantastic. He is like, it's one of those things where when you watch him play a Star Wars character, you kind of just think to yourself, why did this why is this just happening now? Like he belongs in this universe. He's clearly very comfortable in it. His character is very compelling. So I, I would I would generally say I recommend Andor right now. I'll continue to update. But yeah, that's that's kind of the big thing that's been going on for me. The other major thing that happened to me last week is I won a quiz. Which wow. Isn't that just amazing? Let's just I wanna just bask in this for as long as I can because it's I know a it's a groundbreaking moment. But I am hosting the quiz this week. Before I get into it, Tactic eleven and nine, Nerd Bomber ten and nine, I am nine and fifteen, Steven two and one. So I'll be hosting this week and I'll be back in the hot seat next week to try and improve things. But for now I could be this is a throne this, today. This is a Titanic matchup right here. And the quiz today is about Splatoon. I'm going to be honest, I have never played Splatoon. I, I actually I'm that's not true. I might have played it like in a target once. Like when the switch was just like there, I might've just like messed around with it. I have five questions here as well as a tiebreaker, which we'll see if we need that. Splatoon, obviously a big deal. When did the first game come out? And we'll start with, we'll start with Tactic because he has the better record, therefore giving Nerd Bomber an advantage. 2008. I feel like that's not correct. Okay. You're entitled to that opinion. I want to say it was a little bit later. I'm going to say 2012. Nerd Bomber's effort to dethrone Tactic is underway. May 2015 is when Splatoon came out. Uh, originally came out for the I'm Wii U. Close for not a plus one. I gave you a solid four if, years there. I don't. I don't know if that. I, I feel like it was a respectable buffer zone. I'm gonna let it go. Not that I. I mean, I, well, what could I do? Right? I'm not like a judge of anything. But uh, yeah, she's on the board, ladies and gents. And she will go first with this next question. We're gonna jump right ahead from Splatoon to Splatoon 2. Obviously, the sequel. How many copies has the sequel sold worldwide? 50 million. Does this include digital copies? I'm going to say yes. I don't know, but I don't know why it wouldn't. 60 million. Well, folks, that is a double bust. Wow. Okay. 13.3 13. million. It's not, you know. It seemed a little high, honestly. It's, it's, I thought it was going to be on the order of 100, 100 million. I don't know. I, I would think this number would be more, which is kind of why I put this question on there. I think Splatoon, it strikes me as having a very dedicated following, but maybe not the largest following in the world. Maybe that's also a mischaracterization, but that's that's by perspective on it. We're going to move from Splatoon. We moved from Splatoon to Splatoon 2. Now we're going to move to Splatoon 3. And I'm going to ask a different question. What is the Metacritic score of Splatoon 3? Now, Splatoon 3, because this is not a question I can say, this came out last month. This is What this is, is it out fresh. of? 100. So you, and you said Splatoon 3 and it came out last year? Last month. came out last, last, last month, September 9th. Oh, this has an 89%. I'm a plus one. You hear him say 90. It's a double bust again, guys. You're very, really? very high on Splatoon. I thought Splatoon was like... It feels like, like it's so hyped. Yeah. I feel like people love it. 83. 83%. So... Our Patreon producer, Steven, you got some explaining to do. You've been saying this is a great franchise here and I'm overhyping it in this quiz. But it's working out. Quote unquote, favorite, so. quote unquote, generally favorable reviews. So I don't know if that gets it's you going. Generally but, favorable. Yeah. And I will also note for what it's worth just as a to give you some perspective the original splatoon got an 81 so you could argue that things have gotten better so now that brings us into other forms of media related to splatoon uh, there's a splatoon manga series and i'm going to read you a little bit about it to provide you some context and you will answer the question splatoon has been adapted into a manga series which is written and illustrated by sankichi hinodea it launched in february 2016 how many volumes have there been Launched in 2016. 
Yes. Did you say what month it launched in? February. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some math here. I'm gonna say seventy. Tactic. Seventy volumes since 2016. That is what she said. Yes. I think you're too high on it, and I want every fiber of my being wants me to use my plus one. But this is a, this is a tra- tactic on you to continue to have the lead, and so I'm gonna say one. That big brain, he's number one in the quiz rankings for a reason. Uh, there are 16 volumes, and That's the it? series is currently ongoing. I don't know what what manga release schedules are like or if there's even a standard i went like monthly but yeah volumes are usually a collection of all of the different issues so i messed up in my vernacular when i did the calculations oh i thought you were just trying to make it seem like you had a like founded strategy no i was <laughs> just throw out some no ridiculous i messed number. up i was thinking issues but really volumes are collections of issues so i was thinking if there was an issue a month and that's what i did my math on English is very important. Yeah. So that brings us to a one-to-one tie going into the final question. Now, a lot of the information I've used to get the previous answers to the questions have come from Inkypedia, which you guessed it, is the Splatoon Wikipedia. How many articles are there on Inkypedia? Now, Tectic, you will go first. You have a plus one, but obviously you can't really use it because you're going first. So I don't know. Do what feels right. He's whipping out the calculator. 312 articles. No bummer. Your your response? I feel like there's more than that. I'm going to say 350. I knew you were going to do a bullshit close answer. It's not plus one. Uh, you seem upset. Just right out of the gate. Well, she didn't have to go so close. But she did She did beat you. 2,683. There's a lot of Splatoon to be discussed. I figured between all of the different... Obviously, there's the three games, but then there's the comic, the manga, there's characters, there's various weapons. I'm How much did you say, by the way? 350. She said 350. I said 2,683. Probably an article for each character, each color, each blah, blah, blah. There's, but there's a lot to be... So I had assumed, into, I guess, I had assumed that the website was created in 2016, and they did an article a week for since since then. I should have did an article a day, and I would have got it right. It was created in 2015, but yeah, that would have been a, a, a better premise, I, I would say. For what it's worth, the tiebreaker and to and to kind of shed some light on on. It sounds like Steven's respect for the franchise. 2015 Game Awards. This was nominated for three awards and won two of them. Uh, and that was the same year that Witcher, Witcher 3 Wild Hunt came out. So it was pretty stiff competition. It was among the most nominated and most awarded at the show. So Splatoon, a big deal for sure. That brings Nerd Bomber to 11 and 9. Tactic moved to 11 and 10. So yes, Nerd Bomber has overtaken Tactic on the quiz thing. Doodad. So she is now number one. I stay at 9 and 15. So I will be looking to climb the world's tallest hill next week once again. Tune in for that. In the meantime, I want to thank you all. We want to thank you all for continuing to tune in if you're a longtime listener or if this is your first time. We hope you enjoyed what you listened to. You can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast if you want to consider giving back to the show. As we mentioned earlier, you can head to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review if you liked what you heard or if you didn't. I hope you all have a great week. I'll turn it over now to Tactic to take us out with the tech tip. Given the option to trick or treat, always trick. Have a good week, everyone.